It's time to talk BYU football. You're tuned in to the Coordinator's Corner, live from JCW's in Provo, giving you the inside scoop on BYU football from the coaches themselves, JCW's, the Burger Boys. To lead things off, let's head live to your host, the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. Good afternoon, Cougar football fans. Welcome inside JCW's here in Provo for another edition of the Coordinator's Corner. Mondays, 12 to 1, two of BYU's three coordinators join me. And this week, it's defense in the first half hour, offense in the second half hour. Coach Eli Satuiaki from 12 to 12.30 and Coach Ty Detmer from 12.30 to 1. And so it is, we welcome back in BYU's defensive coordinator and D-line coach, Elisa Tuiaki. E, good to see you again. Good to be here again. I know. These are uh, tough weeks to have to break it down week to week when you're not getting the results you want. And uh, BYU suffers a seventh straight loss this past week at, at ECU. What didn't go according to plan that you thought you had kind of worked up uh, for a positive result going in? You know, um, the, the, after the game, you know, there's still, obviously there's a lot of bad feelings and just feeling like we're not adequate at certain spots. And you come back and you evaluate film, and it, and, and it isn't the case. And, you know, I... I watched the film on the plane coming back, and I talked to Coach Lamb, and I was like, you know what, we we played well. They uh, they were a good offense. They they executed in certain spots, and we missed opportunities in certain spots. And so, um, you know, and you, you don't want to say that when you're one and seven. We played well because, you know, the bottom line is we lost. But uh, I thought there were, there were a lot of good things. But we've got to capitalize uh, on uh, opportunities to to take the ball away, opportunities to to sack the quarterback, and those those big uh, misses. You know, to finish the sack and finish the takeaway is, uh, I, I think, really the story for us on defense. Is just we we could have been out of drives. Um, you know, we could have uh, kept them out of field goal in certain places. But you know, you look at uh, the the punt team did a really good job putting us in good field position, and we end up giving one big play to put them in field you know in field goal range. And and other than that, you're playing pretty solid defense and kind of going back and forth. But now um, that was the case all night. There was one point where they went three field goals in a row, and it was just, you know, a big play here, a big play there, a big play there that put them in, in good uh, field position, and we, we, we kind of um, came up and, and stopped them and, and forced field goals, but uh, just wasn't enough on the night. I think if we would have completed those sacks and completed the takeaways, it would have been a much different outcome. So you think taken on the whole, you should have gotten more out of the game than you got. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. I mean, there, there's, there's so many good reps on there, you know, by individuals and and a lot of good play, but just uh, as a whole, we needed we needed more takeaways and we needed more, um, you know, big plays, which which are sacks, sacks that we missed that ended up turning into a quarterback scrambling and, and creating a big play. Um, we take away a big play as well as get one on our own if we get that sack, you know, and so... Um, our players see it. We, we met today as a defense and went over that and, and watched all the big plays and all the opportunities and, and you know, just miscues that we had. And, and they're all things that we can fix. We just, we've just got to get it, get it, get everybody doing, doing the things, things that they need to be doing all on the same page at the same time. ECU wins at 33-17. You got one takeaway on the night, and it came in one of the first few plays of the game. Zane Anderson on the strip. I think Pulsifer has the uh, the fumble recovery. Is that right? Yeah. And then a few plays later, you're in the end zone. So good defense, good offense, seven nothing, and things began the way you wanted them to. Yeah. Yep. I mean, it's we've got to we've got to come out fast, and then we just got to continue it. You know, it's uh, I think right now too. Um, you know, there's there there there's a little uncertainty, just just uh, the feelings on the sideline, the players, and we got to make we got to come out and just play. We got to come out and just you know uh, create our own destiny and and uh it just seems like there's a lot of kind of waiting and 
not this again, you know, type deal going on the sideline. We just got to make plays. You would think that urgency would naturally create just aggressiveness, but sometimes the urgency creates, as you mentioned a moment ago, uncertainty, and maybe whether it's offense, defense, or special teams, um, if there's any kind of a passive approach, it, it tends to hurt you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, we, we've talked about that as a staff as well. You know, I think right now is the time where you really want to see um, all phases get aggressive. And, of course, you talked talk to us about it as a staff. And, uh, you know, and, and that's that's what we want to do. But at the same time, being aggressive is not, you know, being reckless. And, you know, as a defense, we got to make sure that we're taking the appropriate risks and we're, um, you know, we're making them earn it. And, you know, we talk about it this morning as a, as a defense they're, you know, people aren't ripping off long runs against us. You know, they're they're completing um, challenged, you know, contested balls down the field, uh, which basically they're beating you down the field. And so we've got to do a good job as coaching staff changing things up and and uh, putting the kids in different different uh, situations, maybe giving them a little bit of success at what we're asking them to do, but also just still play sound. You know, don't. Um, you know, we, t- we talked as a staff, okay, we're going to start blitzing more. We're going to start doing more man blitzes, peel blitzes, what we're going to start doing. Um, and and I've, I've been in defense that I've done in the past, and it's, you know, it's high risk, high reward. Um, with us being stout or with us being sound right now, I just hate to be in a defense where you end up giving a slant for 90 yards, you know, and that's what happens when you're being that type of aggressive, which which is fine. It's aggressive, but I just, like I said, I want to be aggressive but not reckless, you know, and make, make people earn it still. Yeah, back to ECU for a couple of things. Uh, the, the first series they had ends with the turnover. You guys score. Next series, they make one big play that kind of changes the early feel of the game, and, and that big play was reviewed for a long time. It turns out, that they rule that the receiver makes a catch and steps out before he ends up stretching the ball to the plane, and we knock it out, get the ball back. I think you've got the ball recovered. Instead, it goes back, and the review finds he steps out on the sideline. That one review kind of changed an early tone where it was kind of going your way. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, th- that's one of the plays that I was talking about. It should have been a sack, um, you know, but the quarterback ends up keeping himself alive, and, and uh, it's a broken play, which is always hard for a corner to cover. I mean, when you're talking about a broken play, it's not a structured route, right? So you're just kind of covering somebody who's playing backyard football, and it's real difficult. And so we've got to get the quarterback down in that in that, that point so that we're not uh, he's not running around and throwing it. But also, as a corner, he still sh- you know should make the play because the ball was up there for a second. And he just yep. kind of lost it and and uh, you know ended up being a bad deal in, in that drive. On the pass play itself, who had the cover? Was it Diane on the sideline and then Mike coming over? Uh, Diane on the sideline. I think it was Zane coming over. Okay. Yep. Okay, and uh, big completion on the review. They end up scoring a few plays later. Uh, Later in the game, Troy Warner goes down in the end zone. As I recall, was kind of away from the play. What happened to him? I know he's gone for looks like maybe maybe a long time, and he's out now. Yeah, just just one of those one of those freak deals, you know. Just uh, um, I think his his foot got rolled up or just stepped the wrong way, and and uh, just you know it uh, it ended him for the night. So I I, I haven't heard back on exactly what's going to be happening with him. Yeah, but. my guess is he, he's going to be at least the indication, I think, from uh, from Kalani and or the players this morning was he might be gone for a while, but no. we don't talk a lot about injuries, but that will be just the latest guy, uh, E, and, and again, the refrain is uh, next man up, but uh, bottom line is you've had really important players miss a lot of time for you this year. Yeah, we have. We have. <laughs> you know, you start to look down your depth chart and you're just like, okay, you know, the questions about about moving certain players, certain, certain places, and you know, guys playing out of position, you know, moving a couple of safeties to play corners is one of the things we talk about because we're really, really thin at corner now. And so uh, we'll, we'll just have to see. We'll just have to meet and talk about it and come up with a plan. And, and uh, 
I hope it's something that will give our kids the best shot to win. Who do you think will start to opposite Dion this week against San Jose State? Uh, Chris will. Chris will for now. Um, but behind him, you know, you've got Mike Shelton and, and uh, Travion, who both, uh, you know, are backups for a reason right now. They've got to, they've got to earn their, their way on and show a little consistency in the way that they play. You don't want to go, you want, you don't want to go a whole lot deeper than the four right now. You're kind of down to your four, aren't you? Who else would, who else would be able to play? Uh, I'm going to have to pull a couple of guys over that yeah. have been helping out with the scout team. And, you know, guys that, have, that, guys that, that play, that travel, you know, like uh, Heba Lee, plays on special teams and is a, is a corner for us and is a walk-on corner, does a really good job, but he's going to have to come in and take some snaps off of us as well. Bottom line is you hope that the, the, that, that the two deep at either corner stays healthy and plays well for you yeah, for a while. Yeah, absolutely. That has to happen. Yeah. Let's take a break. and When we come back, we'll talk more with Coach Elisa Tuiaki as we look back on the ECU game and ahead to San Jose State. A couple of 1-7 and seven teams going head-to-head Saturday. If you'd like to contribute a question for Coach Tuiaki or Coach Detmer next half hour, hashtag CCBYU, hashtag CCBYU on Twitter. The Coordinator's Corner continues from JCW's in Provo right after this. You're tuned into The Coordinator's Corner, live on the new skin BYU Sports Network. Let's head back to JCW's in Provo and the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. All right, so back here at JCW, segment two of the show. Defense, first half hour. Offense, second half hour. Ty Detmer here at 1230. Coach Elisa Tuiaki with us till the bottom of the hour. Coach Tuiaki, BYU's DC and D lineman coach. And, uh... ECU defeats BYU 33-17 this past Saturday in Greenville. We mentioned it a little bit in the first segment, but they got to the 25-yard line or inside four times that resulted in field goals all four times. So they did score a little bit, get into the end zone, but that said, they were driving deep and has been has been kind of your strength. Uh, you tend to, st- to stiffen a little bit and force them to settle for three. Yeah, I think the kids have done a really good job, you know, um, knowing and playing tactical football. We get in there, just playing to the the situation and, and keeping them out. And so, it's a kudos to them for that. But we've got a, like I said, a couple of plays, big plays that put them into the red zone, that uh, we've got to make sure that we we tighten up so that we keep them out, and force them to punt. Following up on that, as a result, BYU has some defensive numbers that are good enough to win some games. You're middle of the pack nationally in scoring defense, red zone, 59th, but 29th when it comes to red zone touchdown percentage. So that carries on with the theme. Teams can get in a position to score, but you're good at keeping them from out of the end zone. And that's a positive. Right, right. Big big positive drawn. Um, you know, kids are playing. That, that's normal when you tighten up your defense and play a lot more aggressive and uh, we haven't really blitzed much in the in the red zone. It's really just guys doing their job, and I think probably feeling comfortable in the defense that we're in in, in the red zone. BYU's top half nationally and well in defensive yards per play, and you want to stay certainly in that neck of the woods. Uh, there are some stats that show where you have things to work on, and they're mostly disruption stats, right? Uh, you're 120th in tackles for loss per game, 120th in sacks per game, 97th in passes defended per game, and 87th in turnovers gained, and those are all relatively, uh, those all contribute to the disruption numbers you want to see game in, game out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's got a... We, we talked about this way back, but it's got to. We've got to sink our pass rush and our and our our coverage, you know. And so, if you're going to play really aggressive man coverage, then you have to really disrupt the timing of the route so that the D line can get there, and then also the D line just got to get there. So we talk about being more aggressive, but you said earlier, uh, yes and no. And if you're not synced, um, even being more aggressive might, might might go the other way against you, right? Yeah, yeah. I think there's a there's a balance there that you have to keep and. And just you know, depending on situation, depending on on player personnel, and just things that you're doing, even even the people that you're facing, you know, there's there's a lot of things that you take into account um, with taking those risks. 
what does San Jose show you then in terms of uh, an offensive game plan with which you can work and do what you want to do defensively? They're, they're very similar to what we just faced uh, schematically. Um, you know, I think what uh, uh, ECU had better, they had better timing with their with their quarterback and their receivers. And so, um, you know, the, uh, San Jose has gone back from, a, from a, 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 I think, a more seasoned quarterback to starting a freshman. And so I think that they're trying to move along and just kind of get get reps to their young guy, the, the guy that they think is going to be their future. But he, uh, you can tell, is still kind of staring routes down and waiting for somebody to get open, doesn't feel completely confident yet about uh, throwing people open. And so I think their timing is probably the, the, the one thing that uh, is going against them. And so we've got to take advantage of that and, um, you know, O-line-wise, I think that we can get after them as well with the D-line. And, and uh, like we were talking about, some of the risks that we're talking about uh, taking and, and changes making on defense, not being too too different, but change change a couple of things to, to get after the quarterback a little bit more. Like ECU, San Jose is a two-quarterback team. You talked about how they've gone back to the freshman. And ECU's starting quarterback did leave the game injured uh, Saturday in Greenville. The backup who came in had been playing uh, a lot and played well, made some nice plays for him. Yeah, he did. He threw a couple of nice balls that those guys made plays on. I think it was more it was more the receiver. The receivers were really good. The receivers were good, good players. And, and you knew that going in. Knew that going yeah. in. And, you know, they have a receiver that's leading their conference in, in receiving yards. And I don't know where he's with touchdowns. But just a really good player. We were talking about how wouldn't be surprised if he's playing on Sundays. He's just a really phenomenal ball skills. But, um, you know, I, I think that those receivers are a little bit better than the ones we're going to face, but these guys can, can run. There's a couple of them that, that are pretty fast that have caught in some deep balls um, on film, the film that we've watched so far. So uh, we've, we've got to get after this quarterback and see if we can take take some timing away and, and protect our corners a little bit and not leave them out on, out on an island like we did. Or we, we have been. We've been leaving them out on an island for a long time, and they've been – Playing decently, but we got we got to get more production out of them. When when quarterbacks just throw throw balls up, and yeah. we got to come down with half of them. BYU one and seven, San Jose State one and seven. You've lost seven straight. They've lost six straight. So like last week again, two desperate teams. Both uh, have equal measures of uh, motivation going into this one. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's you know we started growing the rally mustache last week and yeah. hoping that it would come out, but we're keeping it going, man. We gotta we gotta we gotta rip off five in a row here. We got five left, right? You gotta, yeah. We're uh, definitely capable. We just we just got to put it together uh, as a whole team, offensively, defensively, and on special teams. In a team meeting like this morning's, is it just Kalani who speaks, or do other people have have the floor? Was it basically the coach to the team, and let's get after it? So so Kalani addresses the team um, after we normally go over what we call the champions meeting, where we talk about um, guys who played. If you played this way, or the effort that you played with, as well as just your execution. Uh, we're able to win games with that. And so we call those guys winners. And so you you list off the guys that played with basically winning effort or you play this way, you'll win. And then you play, then you list off the guys that are championship effort or you play this way, we'll win champions and uh, championships. And so um, you go through that as well as the player of the game and scout player of the week um, and uh, positives and negatives on offense and defense, things you have to improve. And then so Ty normally goes first and I'll go second and then Ed goes third with special teams and then goes over to Galani and he'll uh, address the team as a whole. Okay. Uh, who do you want to single out defensively for good efforts uh, in Greenville? Um, yeah, there, there's a lot of guys that played well um, that had winning efforts, guys that we thought, you play this way, we can win games. Um, you know, there's a couple of D-line. I know Kesney was one of them. Uh, Tak and Corbin both both had winning efforts. Uh, uh, Butch did as well um, in the secondary yeah, they the, both of the safeties. Yeah, both of the safeties. Both, Zane and uh, Micah. Zane and Micah. Yeah, all winning efforts. And then champions. Uh, Meti Thaliauli was the only champion 
um, and Fred Warren was player of the game, which is which is a champion. Okay, and uh, is that all just straight film analysis, or some live and some film, or how do you break it down that way? It's 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 all film film analysis. It's more accurate, you know. If it was live, probably wouldn't pick any winners <laughs> and champions. <laughs> but uh, I mean, some great individual efforts. Some guys, I'm, uh, you know, Solo Wolfgram, who I, I thought was his best game that he's ever played as a Cougar, and I think that his best years are ahead of him. He's got one year left, but I'm excited about his growth because it's just you know, it's all of a sudden something just clicks and he gets it. And uh, playing really, really well, and so with his, you know, size and and uh, ability, I mean, he he could end up being a really good player for us. Okay, break time. Final segment with E is coming up, and with Coach Tuiaki, we'll have your questions from Twitter with the hashtag CCBYU Defensive Football. We're talking with Coach Tuiaki, and we'll take your questions next from Twitter hashtag CCBYU. This is the Coordinators Corner live at JCW's in Provo. Back in a minute. Live from JCW's in Provo, this is the Coordinator's Corner on the new skin BYU Sports Network. Now let's rejoin the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. All right, that tie is coming up in 10 minutes. We'll talk about the offense in the final half hour of this show. First half hour is for D, and that's Coach Tuiaki, Elisa Tuiaki, defensive coordinator and defensive line coach for the Cougars. And this segment belongs to you, Cougar Nation, uh, social media, hashtag CCBYU. This one from at Housley D, kind of a general question, E, but uh, what specifically is in your defensive game plan to improve moving forward? And he says, go Cougs. Thank you for the Twitter question. We, we've got to keep getting better at technique, but, uh, you know, there'll be a couple of schematic changes. We, I mean, the, the one the one message that we don't want to send to the players is that you're not good enough, right? And so, um, I mean, we're not, we're not we're thinking about just kind of moving a couple of guys around to, to uh, put ourselves in, in position to be successful, but at the same time, just more schematic changes that are similar to what we're doing but can uh, be different to an offense, uh, I think will help us out. We'll protect us a little bit more on people trying to take shots on us on, you know, uh, on our corners and, and uh, giving quarterbacks different looks, but uh, also maybe getting into a little bit more blitzing. Um, we have been blitzing. <laughs> they just haven't been hitting. Not a lot of people have been asking me that. My siblings, right, they kind of call me and yell at me about blitzing more. I'm just like, dude, against Mississippi State, we blitzed the most we have all year. It just wasn't successful. And so, you know, we, st- we blitzed this last game as well, but yeah. we're ta- maybe talking about changing some of the things that we do uh, in the blitz game with coverage. Which kind of answers the next question at Tan Sperry. Uh, tweeted in about uh, the rareness or rarity of, of blitzing, and he says when we have, we're sometimes successful, uh, but you talked about them just the last couple of games. Mississippi State, there was some blitzing. You did send at ECU. Um, you'd like them to be more effective when they do go. That we, they've got a hit, and so, um, you know, the, the big play where we ended up uh, batting the ball out on the, on the goal line, that was blitz, and so, like I said, it's it's got a hit. Guys have got to take advantage of just finishing the sack and finishing the takeaway, and, and we've got to be better at that. Um, you know, and I don't think the answer is to keep blitzing more. I think yeah. the answer is just to be more calculated and maybe change a couple of things, tweak some things, and play some coverages differently. Um, you know, to help out. And right now, um, the the big plays are is, is what's costing us on defense. And so, uh, decent in the run could could be better. But I think that uh, if we can take away some of those big passes, we'd be a lot lot better off. And so, maybe change change some things in coverage and protecting our corners a little bit better and giving the quarterback different looks with adding blitzes to it. So some of these guys might be obvious, but who are among the most uh, maybe natural or innate or effective blitzers that you have on your team? Fred, uh, by far. You know, uh, Butch is really physical. Um, Butch loves contact. 
And so sometimes that's a good thing sometimes. Sometimes, you know, you'd like a guy to, to, to have a little bit more wiggle, and, and uh, so they all have their, their different strengths. But right now Fred sticks out as, you know, overall just a really good player. I mean, he's uh, – he did a good job blitzing. He does a good job uh, in coverage, and so it's hard to say you want him to do one thing versus the other, you know, because if he's blitzing, somebody else is covering, and you maybe feel better about Fred covering and somebody else blitzing. It just kind of comes down to that. Did you happen to watch any uh, any Patriots Falcons last night by chance at all? I did not. Okay, uh, I was just you didn't get to coach Kyle Van Noy. He's somebody that was that kind of guy, and now that he's settled into you know a professional role, he's really standing out for the Pats and one of their best defenders right now. It's kind of fun to see. Yeah. 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 Uh, from at Alamo Coog, what words of encouragement can you offer BYU fans who are stunned by the team's struggles this season? You know, I think I think uh, it's the same thing for the players. You know, um, we, we've got to stay the course. You know, and and uh, stay the course and and uh, continue to just just uh, cheer and and be there. You know, for the team when they need you the most. Uh, you know, the players. I don't think it's as bad as the coaches, but just be there for the players. I know a lot of people take shots at them on social media. I mean, just just be there for them. And and uh, if you believe in Kalani and and uh, we're happy about him last year then believe in him now because uh, he'll, he'll get us through this thing. From uh, at JKB1830, what's the downside to shaking things up a bit relative to either personnel or tactics moving forward here down the stretch? The, down, the downside is that the, the kids have never done it before, you know, and so you start to uh, feel pretty comfortable about certain schemes that you're in and, and uh, you know, playing, playing certain defenses, then all of a sudden you do something new. Well, there's nuances to everything that you do, right? So if you're covering somebody from a different landmark or, or you know, playing it a little bit differently, then sometimes you're making corrections on the fly, like, okay, well, I told you this, and it's true majority of the time, but in this case, you'd have to do this. And so, you know, tweaking it to the nuances of everything that you see on offense, which is a lot, right? It's different formations, personnels, and spacing, and all that stuff comes into play. And, uh, you know, it's just a little bit more to have to practice um, on defense and uh, just that much more of a chance that somebody could end up uh, messing it up because they just miss, miss a nuance of something. So, Okay. At 1-7, and seven, what do you think are some things the defense has done well enough to maybe earn you a couple or more wins that haven't been there? Like, what do you feel relatively content about right now from the defensive side of the ball, effort-wise, performance-wise? Yeah, effort's there, you know, all the way to the end, and that's something that Coach Itaga always talks about. Um, you know, the PAT field goal block after, you know, we're losing by a lot. So seeing the effort on that is, is, has been really good, and that's some, normally a place that you can gauge if got, kids are playing hard. And so there's definitely no question about effort. Um, it's you know, well, it's uh, when you, when you start you start losing games and you start stringing things together, you start to attribute uh, things that probably aren't as important, or right, just everything just kind of looks gray after that. And so it's it's hard to. It's hard to, uh, you know, make corrections and all that stuff because it just seems like the whole world's coming down on you. But, you know, you just got to stick to what you know has worked, stick to what you know is correct, which are always principles, right? You work hard, you're loyal, you, um, you're honest, and you're dealing with your fellow men, doing all those things. Those things will always be correct and always, always bring you back to what you need to do right. Um, and I really just forgot what the question was that you asked. Well, it was more about what, what you can look to defensively and say, you know what, I feel like you've got a good foundation or you're doing well enough to maybe have even seen more wins than you've got to this point. You know, we, we've got to get more takeaways, but I think I think we're playing sound, like we talked about before. We're playing sound, but we gotta we got we got to be better with uh, bat, you know, capitalizing on balls that are thrown up to us making a play making a play it re- really is what it is i think we've been sound for the most part you know and um make a play 
complete the takeaways, complete the sacks, and I think that it's a different ball game, you know. And obviously you get a little bit of help on, on both sides of the ball. We give the offense more balls, and they have more opportunities to score, and then they score more. It's us off the field as well as kind of changing the dynamic of the game when, uh, you know, we, we haven't really been in a game where we can rush the passer. You know, it's been you got to play stout against the run, and you got to be weary of the run, and it just opens up stuff in the pass, you know. The play They did a lot of play action, and they ended up taking some shots, which slows down the D-line, and you can't rush, rush the quarterback. But, you know, if it's an obvious pass situation where you know you're not expecting quarterback run or you get into four-down territory, you could play a little bit more aggressive. But, I mean, that's just... It's uh, it's it's been on us, and so we've got to we've got to get ourselves out of those situations. Okay, last thing, you went on the road to play uh, an offensive team last week that's better than San Jose State, who now comes to your place. They're averaging 16 points a game, turn it over a ton. What do you hope to take advantage of to get the win Saturday against the Spartans? Got to get some takeaways, and we've got to keep them off the board. Um, you know, we've we've got to get some big plays that'll create takeaways, and we've got to just not let them score. I mean. That's uh, they're, they're averaging 16 points a game, and uh, you know I think they they've uh, struggled a little bit more than other offenses that we've seen, and so I think that we can take advantage of that. All right, E, good luck Saturday. Thank you. All right, that's Coach Elisa Tuiaki. Ty Detmer next on the Coordinators Corner, live at JCW's here in Provo. Back after this. Tuned into the Coordinators Corner, live on the New Skin BYU Sports Network. Let's head back to JCW's in Provo and the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. All right, so welcome back inside JCW's Coordinator's Corner. Mondays, 12 to 1. Two coordinators every week. First half hour tonight, we had uh, Eli Satuiaki, BYU's D coordinator. Ty Detmer, BYU's offense coordinator and QB coach with us for the second half hour now. Ty, good to see you again. You too. We want to have these Mondays be a little more uh, upbeat, of course. Take a win to get that, and you're on a string of losses right now. Whenever someone asks me how I'm doing, I answer, and then I have to give the second answer because I feel like I'm doing okay, but then, you know, really in a way I'm not because things are kind of down. How are you doing right now? Yeah, it's the same way. I mean, it's uh, it's tough right now, but, um, you know, you come home and daughters still love you, wife still loves you, the dog still wags its tail. Um, but, you know, it, the feeling's just it's not where it should be. Uh, around the office and and even you know at home probably not the same person you should be for them um so it's tough but we're you know we're battling we we're not going to quit and you know there's people out there would love to probably see me resign at this point but uh those are people that, that probably quit on their team in high school or whatever if they played um so there's no quit in any of the coaches we've we've all been in situations like this before and, and we're going to try to fight our way out and keep coaching and keep trying to to build the program and and keep going forward so uh each week's a new week and and we're always optimistic going in and and that won't change this week sounds like kalani in his comments with the media this morning uh used the word aggressive as kind of a collective mindset heading down the stretch how can that be uh reinforced on the offensive side of the ball well i think you know just looking at it, we've we've probably gotten real conservative and been playing a little more not to lose the game and that's uh that's not where we should be and so talking with him and and uh, the other coaches feel like, you know, we need to go in with the mentality we're going to go win the game and uh, and maybe, you know, loosen it up a little bit uh, first, second down and, and not just, uh, you know, go in figuring we're going to be able to run the ball on whoever we're matched up against. So um, that that's kind of mentality. We're still got to play smart and we're not just going to throw caution to the wind and, and not just go play, play what they give us. But, mm-hmm. um you know, he wants to see us a little more aggressive. And, and uh, you know, I think towards the end of last game, we got in a little bit more of a hurry up and throwing it and, yeah. and got Tanner in a rhythm and, and made some good decisions, good throws. And 
So we need more of that, you know. And, and I think I've probably, you know, had him playing a little tight, you know, scared to turn it over and throw a pick. And so then you grip it a little tighter and hold it a little longer, and, and that's not the way you should play. So uh, we want all the guys just going out playing loose, playing aggressive, and uh, make plays when they're there. How much can you relate that to you and your own playing style? You talk about gripping and or not want to throw a pick, that kind of thing, because you were kind of not that way. You were, let's let's throw it. No, but in the NFL it got that way okay. because as a backup, you're on a short leash and uh you feel that pressure that you know you're only going to get so many opportunities and if you screw it up and and force one in there then the next guy may be in there so um in college it wasn't that way felt pretty secure felt like you had the team around you that you could get away with it especially my junior year uh senior year cut way down on the interceptions because i knew that we couldn't overcome those as easily with a young team and so um, but in the NFL playing days, you always felt that pressure to just had to make the right decision every time. Now, ECU, everybody had thrown it for a big number against them. They, they were very soft in terms of pass defense numbers-wise. You got to halftime with 61 passing yards on 12 attempts, but by the end of the game, you're 300-plus and you've thrown it a ton of times, but most of it came late. Do you do you look back and go, eh, maybe we should have thrown it more in the first half, come out a little more aggressive? A little of both. You know, I'd, I'd like to get in a touchdown right before half there, and, and we probably mismanaged that a little bit with not getting a timeout and getting the right personnel in there and, and running the, the play we really wanted. Um, so, But you go in 10 to 10 at half, we've been running it pretty well, especially that last series. And so... Um, you know, when you look back at the end, there were a lot of empty yards. Empty yards meaning they were playing kind of softer and a yeah. little, a little more uh, prevent type of defense. So you know, there's more yards there. But and game script uh, said we're going to throw it more at that point. Yeah, the, the situation of the game. You know, we had to you know start throwing it to try to get some scores, and and it was good to see though we had some guys step up and start making some plays, and Tanner loosening up and and uh, seeing it pretty good. So. Um, you know, that that's positives from the game that you can take away, and I think confidence our guys, you know, are building. You see Aleva Hifo with a big game again, you know, really two weeks in a row. So uh, we're starting to see some guys start to emerge and, and uh, find ways to get them involved. So if there were some hollow yards or empty yards, I, I can acknowledge that, but by the same token, passes completed and a playmaker making plays are things you want to capitalize on. And we saw that from Tanner and saw it from Aleva, and you try and build on that. Yeah, for sure, and, and Micah Simon, you know, catching one going across the middle in the first half and breaking a tackle and getting in the end zone. You know, you want to build on those. You want to give credit to the to the guys when they make those plays just to continue to build that confidence and, and them to feel good about themselves. So, yeah, you know, it's good to get those, you know, those plays at the end of the game, but, um, you know, at the same time as coaching staff, he, you don't put a, a bunch of stock into it, but it is good to see guys making individual efforts and individual plays. ECU was allowing 50 points a game. You guys score 17. What were they doing differently against you if they were, that they weren't doing against others, and why didn't that number get up to where you knew it needed it or wanted it to be on Saturday? Yeah, I think some of the teams they played were high-tempo, run a lot of plays in a game. You know, we're, we're not quite that way. Um, and so, you know, you see that, you know, the first half it's pretty tight. It's 10-10, and... And uh, we shoot ourselves in the foot a little bit every now and then. And we, uh, you know, we false start. Had some of the pre-snap penalties kind of set us back. Uh, or a throw you've got to make that's in quote-unquote easy throw that doesn't get made or catch doesn't get made. That happened a few times too. Yeah, it's, you know, it's not so much what teams are doing to us. It's it's more a factor of, of what we're doing to ourselves at times. And so, you know, those are frustrating as coaches because it's a matter of keeping a drive alive or staying ahead of the sticks and keeping yourself in third and short. So uh, we didn't do a great job of that on some of the drives and 
and uh you know they they ended up taking it and marching it and, and having the ball you know quite a bit of the time as well and so we we dug ourselves out of holes at times and pinned them deep and uh we got to we got to be able to finish and take that next step and keep that drive alive and get down into either field goal range or score touchdowns Okay, the fact you've been playing a bit, a bit conservative is reflective in the fact that uh, BYU is running fewer plays per game than anybody coming into the ECU game, high 50s. You ran mid-70s there, uh, and some of it, again, is script, and you're behind, and you're a little more up-tempo, but could you see more tempo returning or coming to the BYU offense down the stretch? Yeah, I mean, you know, every game's different. You, you want to kind of capitalize on what you did, but at the same time, it was a situation of the game that kind of brought that on, but that's always a component we have and, and the ability to get into. You know, we're, we're not going to give away any game planning secrets you know on a monday but um you know that's something that that obviously your coaching staff you look at but you know we jumped into it one time in the game and we go three and out and turn it right back over to them with a tired defense and so uh, that's not ideal either so you know we've, we've got to if we do jump into it we've got to be successful and get some first downs and once you do that it kind of snowball effect it gets the defense now on their toes or or their heels and and uh you know, allows our defense then to, to get some needed rest, especially with the injuries we've had and the, the new guys in their plan and the lack of depth. So, you know, part of that, um, you know, conservative game plan was a little bit to do with what's going on on the defensive side of the ball with the number of snaps they're playing and and the lack of depth that they have as well. So it's a combination of things, but, you know, I think at the end of the day we'll look at the, the up-tempo part of it and, and see if we can't get a little more of that going and, and uh, have some more success in it. No one's played more defensive snaps in the FBS than San Jose State. We'll see if the BYU offense can keep the Spartans on the field a long time here on Saturday. We'll come back after the break, talk a bit more about Olova Hifo, what's led to his breakout as we continue. This is the Coordinator's Corner with Ty Detmer. We're at JCW's in Provo, and we're on BYU Radio, ESPN 960, and BYU Football Facebook Live. Back after this. This is the Coordinator's Corner on the new skin BYU Sports Network. Now let's rejoin the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. All right, questions for Ty Detmer later on with the hashtag CCBYU on Twitter. CC for Coordinator's Corner. BYU and San Jose State coming up uh, this Saturday at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. Uh, BYU struggles to score it. San Jose struggles to score it. But uh, the sense is, uh, Ty, probably that uh, this is a weekend for you guys to have to get better and show that you're going to be better than you've shown through eight games offensively. Yeah, I mean, it's been that week. You hope that in that week. way every week. Um, <laughs> you know, this is no different. We've we've got to go in and we've got to execute and play a full four quarters and and uh, you know finish drives is the big thing. You know, that's kind of the mantra is we got to, you know, when we get it out there and, and dig it out of our own end, we got to finish. We got to stay stay on course and and can't let the little little mistakes uh, set us back. So it's uh, you know it's a great week to be at home. We've been on the road, East Coast. You know, really. Um, long trip and be nice to be at home for a full week get our fans behind us and uh, you know hopefully they can hang in there Um, you know if you're a fan you're a fan and you cheer your team on and and you root for them and you pull for them and no matter what the situation is so you know we'll we'll find out here pretty quickly where real fans are and and the ones that show up so um, we're excited to be back at home though and playing here I mentioned before the break we talked about Aleva so before the Mississippi State game he was on around uh, 20 catches for his career and around five yards per catch. So very much close to the line of scrimmage, not really busting much. Last two weeks, he breaks out. Big game at Mississippi State. 
and then 150 roughly uh, at ECU. That's your first 100-yard receiver since you've been the offensive coordinator here at BYU. What has led to Aleva's breakout last two weeks and being less of a possession guy close to the line and more of a guy you're looking for downfield? Yeah, you know, when you watched his highlight film coming out of high school and, you know, we were kind of finishing the recruiting process with him when we got here, that's the thing that stood out to me was how quickly he can get on a safety getting down the field those first 10, 12 yards, and uh, and he gets to full speed pretty quick. So I was excited about that part of him. And then last year he kind of had to learn a little bit behind the Jurgens brothers. And uh, and this year, you know, we've been waiting to see that from him and, and, you know, for Tanner to get confidence with him and, and feel good about him on a safety. And uh, we've kind of gotten some of those looks, and now it – it leads to more looks, and, and one of the great things from the game that I saw was him on the field after a couple catches just like, give me the ball some more, you know, and I've been waiting for a guy to step up and say that, like, give me the ball, I'm, I'm going, you know, I'll make it happen, and uh, we need more of that, you know, so it's uh, it, that was exciting, you know, even situation of the game to finally see him come out of his shell and feel confidence and feel like I can win on any route. And then and then you guys were feeding him at that point. Then he he gets a few in a row and he ends up with a big night. Yeah, exactly. And and it's, you know, him getting down the field and then, you know, making a few guys miss after a catch. Uh, he has that ability and we've just been like I said, he's kind of been in a shell, just kind of he's a quiet, shy type of kid that mm-hmm. um, I hope that that gives him the confidence now that he's got that the two weeks in a row that he can go out there and just play and, and be the guy that wants the ball every play. ECU game kind of turns on three opportunities to score that don't go the way you want. One right before halftime, inside the five, settle for a field goal. Second half, inside the five, uh, don't convert a fourth and four. A fourth and goal from the four, nothing on there. And then a field goal miss where it's make a bowl. And that's those are points that count in, in the tally that make it a different game by the end. They do. Um, you know, especially going in at half, you'd like to punch one in there and uh, and, and get seven on the board. And, and now we're up 14 to 10, maybe change the complexion of their thinking. And instead, it's tie ball game. Kind of allow them to still play kind of conservative and uh and be able to kind of run their game plan a little bit more so that one hurt and then the the one we drive down in there and you work so hard to get down there 12 plays uh, 80 yards and we just kind of fizzled out got you know bad route combination over there and then uh fourth down um they'd been blitzing everything so we we thought tunnel screen might might happen and the backer actually played it really tight would and uh they made a play on that one so but we had three other opportunities that um, watching the film we've we've got first down i think that the throw we want and uh we just you know didn't get it off and, and ran, ran out of bounds with it i think yeah and, yep. and it was a behind the line Lost so four. we're blocking the guy and and tanner saw a flash of color and decided to hold it instead of trust that we would make that block and so um we missed that opportunity so when you get down there it's going to be tight it's going to be tough and and uh, we just didn't make the plays when we needed to right there. So that's all about, usually it's red zone opportunities we're talking about. Last year, one of your strengths uh, was red zone scoring percentage. You were fourth nationally in red zone points. You're 108th right now. Uh, the TD percentage in the red zone was 60% last year, about 38% this year. Easy answer is Taysom Jamal. Is there anything else beyond that that leads to the big drop in, inside the 20 this year? Yeah, I think it's just uh, young guys figuring out that it everything happens quicker. It's tighter, quicker. we got to be better versus man coverage. we uh, we got to make quicker, better decisions in the run game. Um, you know, it, it's a combination of all those things. And, uh, and then to have two great players where 
Taysom could do a lot on the edge that, uh, you know, Tanner's not as adverse to. So it's, it's a situation where we got to, we got to pick up the slack from other areas, either our receivers being more sharp in their routes and, and uh, being better in, in the pass game and then uh, being able to protect the edges and run the ball a little better down there. Similar drops in third down, fourth down conversion last year to this year, and I guess some of the answers are the same there too. But clearly on third and fourth downs last year, you had playmakers that really they were going to be the guys you could count on, and you're still trying to find maybe who might be those guys regularly. Yeah, and, and that falls on us as coaches. we gotta, we got to do a better job of putting some plays in place that we know our guys can execute and, and give them more opportunity. So um, that's been a change for us a little bit uh, this year, and, and we obviously haven't done a very good job with that as coaches. Is there a positive in that a lot of the guys you've had to depend on are guys with a lot of time still left in the program well yes and no i mean we got to win now we got to win some games and uh so we're hoping though that future these guys are getting great experience against some good competition that uh will translate to to more wins down the road but um you you know we're a pretty impatient profession we need to we need to make those now and uh Yes, it'll be good for later, but right now it's it's tough watching it sometimes. Nobody foresees one and seven. Now that you are where you are, uh, how does that uh, color what you expect for the next next five and, and want for the next five? Well, we expect to be six and seven in the next five. That's what we want. That's what we expect. And uh, now that doesn't just happen because that's what you expect. So we got to work harder. We got to detail things better as coaches. We got to, you know, practice harder and, and be more demanding of the players that that they actually understand it and do it right come game time so it's uh you know like i said before there's no quit in anybody nobody's laying down and just saying okay well it wasn't our year we're gonna go fight to the very end and and our players are that way too so um we expect to be six and seven and finish the season on a high note but uh it's disappointing where we're at and uh that's not the standard that's been set here and and we know that and so we're gonna battle to the end Twitter for Ty next. Hashtag CCBYU. Your social media questions for BYU's OC and QB coach Ty Demmer as we continue from JCW's in Provo on the Coordinator's Corner on BYU Radio, ESPN 960, and BYU Football Facebook Live back after this. You're tuned into the Coordinator's Corner, live on the new skin BYU Sports Network. Let's head back to JCW's in Provo and the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. All right, this segment belongs to Cougar Nation on the Coordinator's Corner. It's hashtag CCBYU from Twitter. Questions for BYU's OC Ty Detmer from at Tansberry. Hi, Ty. Which coaches or former players have you communicated with during difficult times? I still believe you can turn this around. That from at Tansberry on Twitter. Yeah, that's a great question. A lot of uh, a lot of former players, guys I played with, um, have reached out. Coach Chow, you know, he'll send me a message every now and then just to hang in there and stay after it. Um, so... Uh, Coach Schmidt, Ken Schmidt, was at practice last week trying to give us a little boost. And uh, Claude Bassett, former coach that recruited me from Texas, you know, he checks in from time to time. So uh, a lot of support from former players, teammates, and then uh, even some of the coaches. Uh, question coming in that was actually for both E and you from at Housley D. What specifically is in your offensive game plan to improve down the stretch? Well, I think just, uh, you know, Again, we're not going to give away trade secrets here or anything. Not that there's a lot to be secret about, but uh, <laughs> we're, you know, we we just need to keep detailing and fine tuning and and you know not having plays that prevent us from keeping drives alive. You know, we've we've got to stay on track. Uh, you know, the the little penalties and things like that. 
you know, there's there's certain types of penalties that are effort penalties where a block in the back from Micah Simon in the game, you know, that obviously everybody sees it like, why would you do that? Well, you know, everyone's pressing a little bit, trying to spring people and, and you expect to have a holding call or, or something like that every now and then. But um, the false start and, you know, the pre-snap penalties really, really hurt you because it puts you now back in a situation that, uh, you know, we're not as dynamic as we need to be in order to overcome those. So uh, we got to stay on schedule, stay on track, and, and keep ourselves in third and short or, you know, create some opportunities down the field a little more. You mentioned false start, and uh, going back over the last 10 years of BYU football, as I've done recently, uh, the most common infraction by far, no matter the season, the staff, whatever, it's always false start. And it's the one penalty unique in college football because it's one that doesn't involve any contact with anybody. It's all up here. (laughs) And it's more than just saying it's up here. What have you found to be the best remedy for teams or units that false start, and is it just purely and always a concentration issue? Well, I would I would bet that most teams that's their highest yeah, penalty. It's common every every team. You know, it's going to be false start or hold. The defense, you know, they shift and and our guy sees movement movement and thinks maybe he didn't hear the count or they make a call right. You know, kind of in that time when the quarterback's about ready to and and uh, they're not supposed to make calls you know when they shift and move but it happens and uh you know it's it's mental but it it's also you can see it's usually guys on the edge of the line of scrimmage that are twitchy anyway ready to go knowing that people are ready for the pass rush and there's a physical component to the mental there is it's not just mental like pop warner i didn't know what the count was or i i missed the count you know it's a lot of times you know a twitch or a flinch from a d lineman or a backer that triggers them Gotcha. Uh, Ryan Washburn on Twitter. Uh, Ty, is Tanner Mangum still your best option, or will other quarterbacks get a chance uh, at get at decent minutes and see what they bring down the stretch? Yeah, um, you know, as long as Tanner's making the right reads and doing the right thing and taking care of the football, um, you know, he'll he'll be the guy. Um, he gives us the best chance to win, we feel, right now. And uh, if, if that doesn't happen and we start looking around and forcing it and, and not making good decisions, then, you know, we'll address it at that time. But... Uh, right now, he's he's the best option for us to win the game, and and uh, the other guys are very inexperienced, and they're going to have some of their beginner mistakes. But you know, if, if Tanner at some point proves that he can't do it, and he's not uh, running the offense like it should be run, then you you move on and, and try to find the next guy. But uh, I thought he did. A, I thought he played probably his best game yep. for us this year, this last week, and and just. As a quarterback coach, watching his eyes, seeing him go through the progression, checking it down when it needed to be, um, I thought that was probably one of his better games uh, for us. So hope to build on that and continue to build it. And, you know, he's got another year next year, so we'd love to see him continue to improve and, and just get more confidence with him making the right choices as we go. A couple of good percentage games, though, for Tanner back-to-back. The numbers were certainly there this past week. He threw it a lot late. Uh, his first 300-yard game for you since you've been the OC. Uh, two questions from Travis Mortensen. One we kind of hit. He wanted to know about Aleva Hippo's rise in play. We kind of touched that earlier. But his second question is, what did you see in the offense's performance versus ECU that makes you optimistic for a strong outing versus San Jose State? Well, again, it's, uh, you know, we're close. You watch the film, and, and we're really close to being pretty good offensively and, and winning games. But, you know, we're not close enough, obviously. We're, we still have the little things. But I think seeing our receivers get into a rhythm, start making some plays, um, 
there late in the game um, gives you excitement and, and know that they've got more confidence and uh, and are feeling pretty good about themselves. So we need more of that. Craig Hershey on Twitter for Ty, hashtag CCBYU. Why do you coach from the sidelines and not the booth? Yeah, I've thought about moving up to the booth where you can see things a little better and, and uh, things are a little calmer up there. Um, but, you know, there's times where you want to jump in to hurry up and you want to be able to signal it right away or personnel things or, or you know, call Tanner over during a timeout, hey, don't forget to look at this, um, or during an injury timeout, something like that. So, I've you know, I've kind of gone back and forth here lately, wondering if it would be better to be up there and see things a little better. Um, but then there's that component of being on the sideline and, and being able to, to tweak and change things on the fly that uh, that I still is that the know. stronger pull? Do you think you might go up in the booth and try it one time this year? Or? I don't know. I you know I thought about it even going up there this week, but you know if you're trying to go hurry up and do some of those things, like I said, you know there at the end of the game it was nice to be on the sideline and just signal it in and be able to go fast and and not have to radio it down and then try to get it relayed and and make sure that you get exactly what you want. Well, we hope that BYU gets uh, what it wants offensively, defensively, in every way Saturday against San Jose State. That's going to do it for today's Coordinator's Corner. Our thanks to Ty Detmer for the second half hour, Coach Elisa Tuiaki in half hour number one. We're live with you every Monday from 12 o'clock to 1 o'clock right here at JCW's in Provo for the Coordinator's Corner on BYU Radio, ESPN 960, and BYU Football Facebook Live. So until next Monday, for Ty and E, I'm Greg Rubel saying so long. Cougar Nation, talk to you next week.